Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast in collaboration with the Conservative Yeshiva in Jerusalem. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about the Conservative Yeshiva, please visit conservativeyeshiva.org. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Shalom. This is Rabbi Joshua Heller, Senior Rabbi of Congregation B'nai Torah in Sandy Springs, Georgia. And welcome to Daily Daf Differently. Today we are studying Tractate Chagiga, Yud Gimel, Aleph and Bet, page 13. We are deep into the realm of forbidden knowledge. Yesterday we talked about Maseb Reshit, cosmological interpretations of the creation story that could not be taught to more than one student at a time, lest they be misunderstood. Today we're entering the even more esoteric realm, an even rarer atmosphere of Ma'aseh Merkava, interpretations of the vision of the divine chariot portrayed in chapter 1 of the book of Ezekiel. Now if you've never read that passage, which is, by the way, the Haftorah for the first day of Shavuot, let me encourage you to go do that now. And we're back. And your question, if you have not read it before, is, what was that guy smoking? Now, this is a very specific, physical, elaborate vision of a chariot accompanied by strange winged creatures with four faces. Now, of course, in theory, the reason we're bringing this up is because the sages are trying to tell us that the philosophical, mystical explorations of this type are indeed truly dangerous and must be suppressed from the masses. And so indeed there is a recurring theme found in this daf and elsewhere in the Gemara that the sages wanted to ban the book of Ezekiel because it includes so many interpretations and rulings and visions that are out of sync with the rest of the Bible and certainly with the rabbinic conception of theology. Now, when you study this passage, you are not only figuratively but perhaps even literally playing with fire. The Talmud gives the story of a child who is exploring the meaning of one of the terms in this chapter, chashmal, when he was consumed by fire as a result. Now, I had a middle school Bible teacher, Mr. Novik, who offered an automatic A for any student who could successfully create a diorama of this chapter, chapter 1 of Ezekiel. Now, in retrospect, I wonder if Mr. Novik when he was encouraging us to make that diorama, was trying to foster a deeper understanding of biblical literature, or was secretly hoping that some of us would be overcome by rubber cement fumes or burst into flames. In any case, I must again state, kids, don't try this at home. However, since the Gemara goes on to interpret these passages, so will we. I will, however, not be held responsible if your computer should happen to burst into flames while you're listening to this podcast. So we can understand Ezekiel's vision in one of several ways, which are, by the way, not mutually exclusive. The first, which is perhaps the least exciting, and which is not entertained by our text, is that these images are actually not so weird in context. So, for example, central to the imagery of the chapter are these creatures, Kruvim. Today, popular imagination portrays the Kruvim, the Cherubim, as pudgy baby angels. However, for Ezekiel, 
These are fearsome creatures, combining traits of human, ox, eagle, and lion. But he actually did not make up that idea. Many ancient cultures had chimeric creatures combining aspects of different animals that were associated with the divine. In particular, in ancient Assyrian and Babylonian iconography, there are often images, statues of beings, with the head of a human, the wings of an eagle, and the body of an ox or a lion. The same figures found on our cherubim, and by the way, they are called kirabu in ancient Babylonian and Assyrian. And these creatures would have served as the bearer of the god, or king in question, or as guardians of sacred sites. So therefore, it would not have been odd at all for Ezekiel to use this type of imagery in imagining what God looked like, any more so than it is for us today than to imagine cherubim to imagine angels as pudgy little babies sitting on clouds. The Gemara, on course, offers two different theories as to why Ezekiel's visions are so out there. One is that's just what he saw, that having a true experience of the divine is literally mind-blowing. Ezekiel drank divine inspiration out of the fire hose, and he was just overwhelmed. The Gemara notes that Isaiah has a similar vision in chapter 6 of his book, but it is much less Baroque and detailed. And so the Gemara explains that everything that Ezekiel saw, Isaiah saw too. But Ezekiel was like a village dweller who saw the king, and Isaiah was a city dweller who saw the king. Isaiah had a certain degree of intellectual sophistication and was able to contextualize what he saw. Ezekiel lacked that same ability and therefore was not able to fully integrate and interpret the vision that he received. Another explanation, which is actually compatible with both of the ones that we've already presented, is that this vision of Ezekiel is meant to have specific implications, that each detail represents some deep aspect of how God relates to the world or the past, present, or future of the Jewish people. So, for example, in the first chapter of Ezekiel, one of the faces of the Kruvim is that of an ox. Chapter 10, there is a similar prophecy, but there, that face of the ox is replaced by the face of a Kruv. The sage Reish Lakish explains this. He explains that the face of the ox was taken away from the Kruvim because the face of the ox was a reminder of the sin of the golden calf, and it was replaced with the face of a child to indicate innocence and to indicate that the Israelites were forgiven for that sin. Now, one final note. As I mentioned, we often imagine Kruvim, Cherubim, as little baby angels, but that is actually something of a mistake. Those little baby angels in Renaissance art are actually something else called putty. Now, I've never seen this proved anywhere, but it's just possible that Reish Lakish's interpretation of cherubim as children is in fact what led to that change in portrayal from four-faced, terrifying creatures to little babies sitting on clouds. But in any case, kids, don't try this at home. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the open and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epichorus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.